Hello and welcome to another edition of the Campus Hunger Project podcast, where we examine the current issues college students are facing when it comes to food insecurity. I'm your host, Monica Sager. Today we are talking with Katie Shapiro, a senior at Simmons University who previously served as a food insecurity solution advisor. Welcome, Katie. Hi, Monica. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for joining us. Can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and why the issue of food insecurity is so important to you? Sure. So, as you said, my name is Katie. I'm a senior at Simmons, and I'm studying environmental science, public health, and biostatistics. I actually kind of randomly got into uh, studying food insecurity through a class I was taking outside of my major and happened to take this as a research topic for one of my classes uh, in a project I was doing with a couple friends. And as I was learning more about what was happening and researching the current state of food insecurity across college campuses in America, my passion for the topic kind of skyrocketed and I suddenly was questioning what the situation was at my university and at the universities surrounding me um, at school in Boston. So because of that, I completed this semester long preliminary research about generally food insecurity um, across the US and I wanted to know more about my school. And I had looked at different departments and asked different professors if there was any information about what are the numbers at, at my school, at our school, and nothing had existed yet. So I applied for a research project to quantitatively assess what's happening at my university. And I got um, a grant for a couple months in order to study that. And I did a cross-sectional survey of about half the undergraduate population and a smaller portion of the graduate population to assess food insecurity and found that our numbers were just as shocking and disheartening as the ones at the national level. And so from there, I wanted to continue that and that's how I entered the role of a solution advisor is I got funding from the Alumni Association to essentially pester administration to do more about this. So that's kind of how it all got started for me. That's really amazing. It seems like you did awesome work. You mentioned that you're doing quantitative research. So that's more of the numbers. Is there a reason why you didn't do the qualitative of the stories behind it as well? Yeah, so I was partnering with a professor who is the head of our sociology department. Um, and under her recommendation, the best course of action was to go with the numbers. When you're bringing Things, and this can be a tip for other people who are also trying to get their administration to care. Your president of your university, the provost, deans are going to care about the numbers, specifically proportions and how statistically significant are your numbers because unfortunately you're just not believed as much if you're just going off of a couple these few students are willing to discuss their experience because you have more of a chance of getting people to respond to you if you're sending them an anonymous survey where they click, you know, yes, I have experienced this food insecurity or like aspect of food insecurity, rather than asking a couple hundred students to interview because less people are willing to come forward and sit down and speak with you about their experience. It's much harder to come out as yourself rather than a group of hundreds of students saying, yes, I need help. That definitely makes sense then. So you mentioned the resources at Simmons. What are they like? Are people using them? So by at the time I started my project, nothing existed. 
uh, food insecurity had not yet been decided an important enough topic. Administration did not know well enough that they needed these resources. And part of why I was conducting the quantitative research was in, in order to say these resources are valuable and do have a purpose for this like proportion of our student population. So after the study and some of my suggestions, the school implemented a swipe exchange program, which if you haven't heard of before is where students can donate their swipes and other students can request them in case they run out of theirs. Uh, and this was a great first step. And I was happy to see that the administration was able to recognize some of the problem and take a preliminary action. However, there's so much more that can be done from a systemic level. Uh, so of course, I'm happy to see that they're making advancements, but I think there's more to do. And along those lines, why do you think more needs to be done and what do you hope to see one day? So something that I was able to discover through my research was that this problem is the system. It's not necessarily students not distributing their points and swipes accurately. It's not wasteful spending of them. And I knew this because one of the numbers that I had gotten was that I had asked how students' food insecurity changed when they went home and if they experienced the same issue at home. And food insecurity actually decreased when students left campus. So that's how I knew this is the system. That's the problem. It's, it's how my specific university is doing points and swipes. So I would love to see that universities across the country and Simmons specifically are able to, to recognize that students need a meal plan that covers three meals a day because Simmons meal plan only covers two a day. So at least offering the bare minimum, especially for students who receive Pell Grants who might not have the extra money to put towards buying that third meal a day if that's something that they need. I know you suggested uh, work with surveys, but do you have any other advocacy tips for students and how they can help bring these changes along in their own campuses? Absolutely. So I think number one is have data by your side. And to get that data, find research grants at your university to do so with. Like they can pay for this. You don't have to fund any of it yourself. You shouldn't work for free. Don't be afraid. And of course, we're in a pandemic right now, but once you're able to, literally show up in person. I'm not even kidding. This is how I've gotten all of my results. Show up, talk to people's secretaries, talk to like find people in the hallway. If you see a professor or someone important in your dining hall or in a cafe, don't be afraid to walk up to them and be like, I would like to have a meeting with you about this, what's happening at our campus. Because they can't ignore you when you're standing right there. Emails are going to get lost in their inboxes. They receive hundreds a day. So call right now call their offices, don't stop calling their offices, get many people on your side and don't be afraid to show up. And the other thing too is like seriously get funding for everything. I didn't wanna work for free and I found ways to get paid. Your school has money to give you. You just have to know where the grants are. Now, with it being something that administration hasn't recognized too much, like you said, do you think it's because the topic is taboo or is it something that it's almost being ignored? I wouldn't say that this is a topic that Simmons students are really loud about um, in particular. People are talking about how socially like, oh, it's the end of the semester, I'm out of swipes, can I borrow one? And that's part of campus culture. 
Um, but I don't think it's discussed in a way that is, is tackling the seriousness of what that really means. More just like on the Simmons class pages on Facebook, people are saying, I have extra swipes if you need them, kind of creating their own swipe exchanges previous to this year um, and last year. So while it's not necessarily tab taboo to, to, to discuss needing extra points and swipes, uh, it's not discussed in the true seriousness of that topic. Uh, and I think the university is only hearing that non-serious nature instead of what the cascading effects of that actually mean. That definitely makes sense. And then you've also mentioned the pandemic. So can you speak to why this work is even more important now during these past few months and the upcoming months before the pandemic is hopefully over soon? So I think the biggest change here is that we know that university students and populations of university students have changed really dramatically um, in the past like 20 or so years. There's a report out there, I forget the citation for it, but it was done by the US government to look at what, who makes up undergraduate students right now. And while that used to be middle class, mostly white folks, mostly young people, that's not the case anymore. So we're looking at people with children who are going to undergraduate school part time, who you know, are coming from families, maybe their first generation, maybe their family doesn't understand these things. So when you put students back in their households and they're with a family that might not understand what a university student needs to be doing during the day and what that looks like and how that changes what kind of responsibilities they can take on familially, professors and universities need to be understanding that not every family knows what it means to go to college or what that dedication looks like. And that applies as well for when we're on the ground in person. Students who are first generation don't always, like are getting calls from their family every other day to help them out with things. They're sending money home. And that isn't what colleges have created systems to assist with before. So I think colleges need to look at how can we change what system, the services we're offering to students now that our population is so much different than it was before. Maybe we don't need, you know, like all these events that are more fun focused and maybe we need events that are like how to manage having your family and having that conversation with them about what college means. Maybe that means on the part of the university offering tools to families like here's what your student is going through. Here's how you can support them in the best way, you know, based on what college students have been in the past because not everybody knows what it means and what it takes to go to school. Definitely. And along those lines, lots of schools just create a food pantry and they're like, here you go. Or they create like your SWIP program and they're like, okay, we're done. Do you think that there can be one program that can be just an end-all be-all? Or is it a thing that we need to have lots of different aspects throughout a student's life to help them? So I think what you're bringing up is the concept of a band-aid versus a systemic change. So as much as band-aids are helpful and a food pantry is a great first step that needs to be done at the same time conversations are being had about what can we do at the larger level to absolve the need for a food pantry altogether. Like those shouldn't have to be the solution. We should be looking higher up the chain. Okay, so students don't have enough food let's give them more food in their meal plan. Let's make sure every student has a meal plan to begin with. Make, let's make sure that those are affordable. I think especially like automatically enrolling Pell Grant recipients and like the, those who receive the most aid into programs where they receive 
a meal plan that's everything that they need, an unlimited meal plan. Because for those kinds of students, I think especially at private universities, they might need the most help, um, especially if this is their first time living away from home. There's not ever gonna be one perfect solution. Every university is different. They have students with different needs. And I think every school should complete regular surveys of their students' needs on food and on how the university can support them better to help fix the system. And then administration really needs to take those like reviews and that input very seriously. I think oftentimes when students begin advocacy work, it's really easy for administration to kind of push them aside. It's really easy to get discouraged. So really listening to students. And if you are a student, find a professor that's willing to advocate for you as well. Because unfortunately, they'll, they'll listen to that professor more. But as long as you have someone on your side, your points will be taken more seriously. I absolutely agree. And I appreciate that insight. Now, within your role as that food insecurity solution advisor and the research that you did, was there a meaningful experience or a moment that really did change your view on food insecurity? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me when I was reading, so I had some qualitative feedback as well, just some open-ended questions at the end of my survey, um, where many students were expressing extreme gratitude for the fact that this survey even existed in the first place and that they were so glad that this was being talked about and that something would be done, which I had never heard expressed, you know, from person to person before. So I, I remember like reading all of these results as they're coming in and being so moved by the fact that just the idea of a survey, not even any concrete changes was enough to really bring validity to these people's experience on campus. So I, and I think the other part of that too is on the flip side, being able to tell professors about what their students are experiencing because many of them had no idea that this was even a concern and were confused because they were like, don't students have meal plans? And being able to explain how they can help their students like find resources and, and what to look for when a student's in need, I think it helps me feel like I'm actually really making a difference in the work that I do. I love that. And I bet you absolutely are making a difference on your campus. <laughs> you also mentioned how your interest in food insecurity has skyrocketed since the research and everything that you've done. You are studying public health, biostatistics, as well as environmental science. How do you integrate food insecurity and your new understanding within these majors, as well as your future and what you hope to do one day? Yeah, for sure. So I think my my background in environmental science has really, like my work in both of these sectors have helped inform the other. I am able to think in an interdisciplinary setting. I'm able to apply the like justice topics. I've really deepened my knowledge about by learning about college food insecurity to environmental science and understanding how equity and access to resources might affect environmental things as well. I'm able to use my understanding of public health on both aspects of things. And of course, being able to really dig deep in what data mean outside of my own research has been incredibly helpful, like being able to use my knowledge to bring light to my topic at school 
and also being able to, you know, assess data from other schools that's coming in or from other environmental things. I think there's more interdisciplinary action happening between these topics than might be very apparent, but being able to think systemically and what's happening higher up affecting things at the bottom of the chain and how things sometimes get lost in translation. So as much as it seems kind of all over the place from like what I've been studying, it really does always come together. And I'm like, oh, that thing I learned here is able to help me really dive into something I'm doing somewhere else. Awesome. Well, I think that leads me to my last question then for you, Katie. Is there a final takeaway around food insecurity, your work in general, or just the whole systemic process that you'd like to leave with our audience? Yeah, so I think food insecurity is really the tip of the inequality iceberg at colleges. It's really just the beginning of how our changing student demographics and our changing world needs to be updated. Uh, and I think as colleges are really trying to integrate more Black Indigenous people of color at their schools, more low-income students and giving them the opportunity, they also need to change how they support their students in general. And I think same goes for other students, like you can support each other. It's not just on the administration. There are ways that you can form community with those around you. So I think that is the most important thing to know for college students right now. Definitely. Thank you so much, Katie, for talking with us today. I appreciate your insight on just your work, as well as the whole systemic process in general, and what students can do to make a difference. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great to talk to you. That's it for today. I'm Monica Sager. See you next week for our next episode of the Campus Hunger Project Podcast.